0: More They're buried alive! Eddie Shore? Oh,
1: piss on Eddie Shore. Old time hockey? Piss on old time hockey. You're blowing it!
2: And now, Between the Stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast.
1: Here's Arden Caleb. It's a rarity for Between the Stammers to do a post game show, but hey, when you win game five against the defending Stanley Cup champions in the first round of the Stanley Cup final, or playoffs, you gotta do it. Right? Are you standing this entire time? Yeah. Okay, I'll stand too. I'm standing. (laughs) All right. You know, if you took any notice at all in past stammers, I've stood always. Yeah, you do. Yeah, (laughs) I'm feeling it though. I'm going to stand, man. I'm standing. Uh, Yes, we're recording this on Wednesday, August 19th. It is 11.02, so the game between the Canucks and St. Louis Blues, game five, is in the books. Tyler Mott scored two goals to help the Canucks to a 4-3 win in Game 5 of that Western Conference first round at Rogers Place in Edmonton. Where do you want to start? Like, this was a must-win. Really? Well... I said last oh, game was a must-win. cliche
2: stuff. He's I, already
1: coming out with the cliche crap. I said last game was must-win, yeah. so I, I don't know if I can just go ahead and throw it out there again that this game was must-win <laughs> because it's not actually must-win, but it felt that way. Like Everything was going downhill for this team, lost two in a row. All that goodwill that we had built up through two wins to start this series against the Blues just seemed like it was forgotten, like it was another lifetime. Did it not feel that way heading into, to, into this game on Wednesday night? It just felt like those two victories felt like a year ago. I got to be honest, man. I felt like they were come going
2: to come out and play hard tonight. I, I felt like the back-to-back was disad, disadvantageous to the Canucks with the way they lost in that OT. I really did. Because it, it doesn't give them time to rest or regroup in a way where they can go over footage and say, this is what we were doing wrong, yeah. and this is how we're going to make adjustments, v- whether that's the power play, five-on-five, five, all of those types of things. I think having that day off and coming back today was a major reset for this team. And also, I think the Canucks not having the advantage of last change doesn't give Travis Green
1: a chance to overthink his lines. So if this game, if these, if this series is being played normally and you were going back and forth, the Canucks would have won all three games in St. Louis the way... I yeah. Mean, you can't really say that's how it would be because you got to factor in crowd and travel and all that. But all the home games for the Blues, the Canucks have won. Yes. Which is a little crazy. It's a little
2: crazy, but I also think it has to do with coaching. I, I think Green's been overthinking a little bit when the Canucks have been like at home with the last change. I mean, like... When you look at some of the guys who've had ice time, like you're like, why are these guys playing so much?
1: You know what I mean. So he was given a lot of shit for. I don't know about giving a lot of shit, but he was questioned. Go ahead, he
2: has been given a lot of shit. He's he has given been a, given a
1: lot of shit. He's been getting a lot of shit for yeah. playing Tyler Mott for so for so much. Yeah. For 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 so long in that game. Was a game three. Yeah. He, like, had the most ice time among all forwards. And you thought – you think he was overthinking it by doing that.
2: I thought he was overthinking a little bit. It wasn't necessarily Mott for me specifically that was kind of getting under my skin about it. Like, I'm not going to boil it down to one guy. Mm -hmm. But when I'm talking about playmaking and getting out there and having your skilled forwards out there who can make plays and get shots on net, you know, like, I thought he was overthinking a little little bit putting out the guys who were grinding. Now, that being said – Before this game, I'm like, the Canucks have to get to the fucking net. They have to get to the net. They have to score some greasy goals here, yes, right, or we're done, right? Floodgate's open tonight with a nice, greasy, juicy, greasy, gross JT Miller poke, you know, under the pads of Jake Allen to put the puck in the net. That's what we need, right? That's what we need from this team, and that's what they were doing when they started beating Minnesota again, is getting some sort of net front presence. Yep to the net that is able to bash in these goals. I thought green putting Vertanen on that pedersen uh Miller line tonight was a masterstroke. You know? And I actually got a little pissed off in the third when Besser got back with that line for like the first 10 minutes of the third. I'm like, "It's working. Like, why is he back on this line and nothing against Besser?" And that, Besser's a great but player. But that that might have been But who it was, was on, working.
1: But that might have been who was on the ice for the Blues at that moment, right? I understand that, but this is this is the matchup
2: game I'm talking about. Vertanen did a not only did Vertan get an assist and a goal, so haters can back off a little bit right now,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but like the guy created so much space for guys like Pedersen and Miller, Quinn Hughes, Tan, of all those guys to work around him because he's drawing two bodies to the net, mm-hmm.
1: right? Like that's massively important. So you went into this game like the most of us, like most of us thinking they have, like something has to change and. You thought it was getting people to the front of the net, and I thought it was scoring greasy goals. I, I Like, they need, like, they've been well, scoring. Well, what
2: happens when you get to the front of the net, Art?
1: Yeah, and who yeah. are the people you think about, though, that can do that on this team? Yeah. JT Miller. JT Miller. Jake Vertanen, Jake Vertanen. So, JT Miller and Jake Vertanen each had a goal and an assist in this game. Yeah. Malt was fantastic, and, of course, Markson was the best player on the
2: ice tonight. We don't win this game tonight without Marky. 100%. Right? percent not? Like, and I will say that first and foremost. Like, Marky stole it for us. Those first 10 minutes in the second period, like, some of the shit that he had to stop was ridiculous. That's like a season. His, his go- like, save reel tonight was like a season of a goaltender being like, here's a ridiculous save that I made on October 12th. Here's another ridiculous save that I made, you know, on December 29th. Here's another ridiculous save that I made on February 17th. Except Markson was like, here are all of these in one game in probably the most important game in this series so
1: far in 10 minutes and it was comical almost there in the second period because the score was like 3-1 and he was still making i'm like <sighs> the fuck. score could be 5-1 Dude, 6-1. it could have been 6-1 yeah yeah uh jacob markstrom with the assessment on his team
0: it's probably you know one of the best periods we we played with a lead for for a long time as i can remember and
2: uh uh, that's that just shows a lot of character, and then you know depth scoring from from every line, and uh, you know penalty killing was was good again today. So uh, you know it, it was a great great win, and we gotta uh, uh, feel
1: good about this for uh, for a couple hours here, and then get ready for Game Six. Uh, he was talking about the third period there when they were down a defenseman, Alex Edler, and the team played like its best defensive game, De- best defensive period, I think. Of the playoffs so far in that third period. You
2: got to pray for Edler, man. We need him. He cannot be out. If Myers and
1: Edler are both out, we are in trouble. So Travis Green was asked about his defense at this point in time without Edler.
0: Yeah, it's got to be for sure. Um, uh, We actually thought Eddie was coming back. And um, man, those guys hung tough, played well. We didn't give up a lot in the third. Resil- resilient effort tonight all all the way around.
1: That's a good sign, right, that they thought Eddie was coming back? Yeah, dude, there was a couple times
2: during this game where I was yelling at the defense, like yelling. Um, there's like, especially in that second period, there was times where Fentonberg and Ben just couldn't get off the ice because of the long change, yeah. right? And the Canucks were just completely fumbling getting the puck out of their own zone and that starts with the defensive pass right there's a lot of times a, a defenseman just skates to a puck panics with his head down and just tries to clear it up the boards and it goes nowhere right and uh like but Edler was having
1: a monster game Oh he yeah won. no no look
2: like 100% and it was it was more the pairing of Ben Fantenberg yeah. and like I'm not going to hate on either of those guys too much cuz Ben just got back Right? That and goal, that, goal that went really off well. Ben's stick in this game was a real unfortunate goal. Like that little O'Reilly thing that went off Ben's stick, that's an unfortunate goal. I, that's a tough a thing like to bounce back from, yeah. right? Especially if you're that guy that, like, you know, basically facilitates a goal like that happening. So, like, kudos to Ben for battling through it and kudos to Fantenberg who's played very well in this series. However, what I will say, is if we want clean breakouts, we can't have that. We can't have that pairing on the ice for as long as we've had them on there. And if Edler's not coming back,
1: right? Like they are going to be out there more, so that doesn't bode well for this team. Uh, Edler left the game with a minute twenty nine remaining in the second period yeah. after his face was cut by Jordan Cairo skate. It looked pretty scary. That
2: looked nasty,
1: dude. It looked really yeah. nasty. And when they showed the replay of it, I gave the. Uh... Uh, But it sounds like they thought he was going to come back. I don't know. He (laughs) he needed to have stitches, clearly. Um, I was like, I hope he still has an ear. So I watched that game with a nurse, right? And, uh... I was like, oh yeah, just stitch him up, throw some saline in
2: there, and then give him a shot to cure the pain. And she just looks at me. She's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about, really. Like, I, I was just like,
1: I was just like, I hope he has an ear. That's what I was. hoping. Yeah. I was like, because this, like, that's an easy way to lose an ear. He almost
2: got Van Gogh there. He almost got Van Gogh. Yeah.
1: He was having a whale a game, though. Like, I noticed multiple times where he was clearing the front of the net, putting O'Reilly, Shen on their asses. And I was like, we need someone to fucking do that. Yeah, with Myers
2: gone, like, it's a lot harder to do that. Just size mismatch. That's all it is. Yeah. Right? Like, some of these smaller guys aren't able to do that. Every time I see Hughes and Stetcher on the ice at the same time, I clinch. I'm like, oh, like, and not that they're they're not great defensemen. It's just like, they can't handle the the size size of the Blues is. It's too much at times.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's we gotta talk about Tyler Mott scoring the shorthanded goal, which I loved how he turned on the afterburners and, and it it got me thinking about this team and how they are better than the Saint Louis Blues. Where they are better than the Saint Louis Blues is they're a faster team. There's two guys on St. Right? Louis who can wheel,
2: right? There's a couple of guys. Jordan, Jordan Kyrou and Jaden Schwartz can both wheel with like like with some of the best players in the league.
1: Yeah, but but for,
2: but for the most pound stars, for pound, the yeah. Canucks are faster.
1: They are, they yeah. are faster, and they were able to play that way in the third period.
2: That's why I like Vertanen on that line with Miller and Hughes because it adds a different dynamic to that line. Whereas Brock isn't as quick getting up the ice. Having a guy like Vertanen who can get in there quickly into some of those pucks really helps that line out.
1: Uh, so Vertanen, who really, let's be honest, he hasn't done a whole lot up until this. Game. I I haven't hated it, man. I haven't hated his game. Yes, but he hadn't he hadn't hit the score sheet. He hadn't. He's on a y- third line with Sutter. I know, and I get that. But he hadn't hit the score. They ha- he hadn't hit the score sheet. He hadn't done anything yet. Until today, where he puts up the big goal, the tying goal, and he assisted on another, and he was noticeable out there. Travis Green was asked about that. This, that was me setting up my clip. We, we had there. it in the back
0: of our mind um, just over the last day, just thinking about different combos. We wanted to switch it up a little bit tonight and just shook it up partway through the game there, switched everything up a little bit. And uh, happy for him, happy for our group.
1: Brock Besser getting put down on, like, the third line for a while there. Did you see that? And yeah. I And I thought that was interesting because then you had a finisher on three lines. Yes. Which is...
2: He was down on that Sutter line, and I was totally okay with that at that
1: point. But I actually thought this was maybe the best game that Brock has played in this series. Yes. Right? But he can't get his ass up and down the ice quick enough in a situation
2: like this to get to the front of the net and cause a little bit of carnage. Yeah. Right. If he's going to be that guy, which it looks like he's going to be that guy on that top line with Petey and, and, and Miller. Mm-hmm. Right. He has to get there quicker. And he hasn't been able to do that yet. He's been rendered ineffective. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. I love Brock. Brock is and he's more than just a shot. He's a crafty playmaker like he makes great passes. But all the people who have been shitting on Jake saying like, oh, his hockey IQ is garbage. He's worked on it. When he started in the league, yeah, I agree with you. It wasn't up to snuff. Now it's a lot better than it has been. Wait, who said that his hockey IQ was garbage? Everybody says it. Oh, it was, like scou- was like a scouting report at the beginning. You hear pundits on 1040 constantly harp on it. It's an overdone story, and it's out of date. He, he's making nice passes, and he's making nice plays, and defensively, he's not a liability. You know who was a defensive liability tonight? Brock Besser and JT Miller. You know who's been a defensive liability for the last two games? JT Miller. He hasn't picked up the man on two St. Louis goals in his own end, right? I love JT Miller. JT Miller is one of our best players. He's probably our MVP of the season aside from Markey as a forward. But you can't be cheating on this Blues team. You got to get back and you got to pick up your man. You can't try and turn the puck around to go the other way. And that's what him and Besser got caught doing tonight. And it looked like shit.
1: St. Louis Blues got uh, goals from Ryan O'Reilly again. And Braden fucking Shen. I'll tell you this. He made a hit on Petey in the first period that made my blood boil. Yeah. And I was like, you cannot let players get away with that. It almost looked like knee-on-knee. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing came of it. We didn't even see a replay of it, I don't think. Uh, They showed a replay, but it was just like the tail end of it. That... Hit fucking pissed me off. And PD. thank God, he was able to get back, and he refuses to be intimidated, even though these guys are taking runs at him. They are. This is Braden Shen, who's, you know, to his credit, one of their best players. But you can't let players run players like that. You just can't. Yes. Like, I'm pissed off at this league for allowing that to happen. You yeah, cannot, I think you, you sent me a text about it, didn't you, Arch? Yeah. It <laughs> makes my blood fucking boil. Yeah. And we've been seeing this for a very long time on this Canuck team, especially this young Canuck team. I mean, people have been doing it with the Sedines for years. Yeah. But like to to just see it uh, to happen to a young kid like Petey just it drives me up the wall. It, it really does. Yeah. Uh I just wanted to mention that. Uh Quinn Hughes again, like we can't like we could spend a whole podcast talking about how great this guy is. But the play that he made on the goal on the, uh, I think it was on the offensive series that ended in a Jake Furtanen goal. It was him spinning off the boards. I can't remember who it was, but it was an incredible play. And I was just watching. I was like, that Blues defender, the forward or whichever forward it was, had absolutely no idea what happened. It was just he was going, looked like he was going to rush it into the corner. Yeah. And he just spun back the other way, and the guy was gone. And then it set up this entire thing where it finished with Jake Fertan and scoring that goal.
2: The poise that Quinn Hughes has on that blue line, where he's just, like, so confident he's not going to lose it, is insane. Yeah. Like, I I was discussing that with other people tonight as well. I was just like, dude, look at this guy. Like, who even has the confidence to do this? And we were talking about Tyler Mott a little bit earlier, and it's like you can see a guy like Mott who is more of a grinder – Like, his confidence built throughout that game. He scored that shorty on Alex Petrangelo, by the way, without a stick. Great play by Petrangelo to at least get back. That was fucking beautiful. Right? But, like, Mott danced him, you know, to put that thing top left corner. Insane play. But, like, Quinn Hughes always has that confidence. Some players, like Mott and Vertanen tonight, they get that confidence when they get in on plays and start working, but Quinn Hughes always has it. PD always has it. Some of the moves PD was making tonight were insane. Yeah. And those are the kind of guys that are gonna lead us through and win us series like eventually, you know? If not this one, but like like moving forward, this team has some really bright stars who play game in, game
1: out and can get this done for us. And he's going to have to take more. Okay, here's another thing I want to ask you about. Shoot it. At the end of the game, I noticed again, Green refused to put Hughes out there in the last, like, two, three minutes of the game. Yeah. With Edler out, I was like, you're going to have to throw him out there. I'm sorry. I'd rather have him out there than a Jordy Ben or a Fattenberg at this point.
2: That's tough, right? Because you want a guy who can at least physically clear a body out of Markstrom's way. That's all they're trying to do at that point. Yeah. They're going to let those perimeter shots, you know, come through. Yeah. And all they're trying to do, I mean, BX kind of broke it down a few games ago where he's talking about how Edler angles off shots. Yeah. And he, he gave Edler a lot of praise for it. But I think, like, that's just coaching in any way. And if you can, you can not only push the guy who's in front of the net to get him off balance... Or out of the way, and then try and attempt that shot block. Like I think that's what Green's going for, and he's asking for those guys who are a little bigger to make that sacrifice. Because one, if Ben goes down on a block shot versus a guy like Quinn Hughes, you know, like who would you rather have sacrificing their body to to make that block
1: shot? Yeah, I get right? that, but I I I don't like that style of hockey at the end where you're just like, okay, we're going to be boxed in our own end and let's hope we survive.
2: Yeah. But let's be honest. Like the forwards need to do a way, way better job of clearing that puck out. Miller whiffed on it once. And then he tried to get it off the sidewall.
1: And then he missed the empty net.
2: he, He, he missed the empty net. He whiffed on it after that. And then he tried to bank it off the half wall and it got picked up by the the D-man.
1: Well, he was everywhere, right? though, because he also intercepted a pass no, that was no, going like, through hey, the middle, hey, and he blocked hey. a shot, I he think, was, too. He, to yeah. me,
2: tonight, he was the most Jekyll and Hyde I've ever seen him because there was tons of plays where I was like, this is why we have him. I love him. I love him. And I do love him. I still love Miller, right? But on that, I think it was the Brayden-Shen goal, and on just trying to get the puck out of his zone, like he's got to protect that puck a little better. Either eat it. for did a good job tonight trying to eat the puck on the wall in the last minute. And then he got his ass off the ice so we could get some reinforcements. Right? Yeah, we get it. He had a good game.
1: He had a good game.
2: Yes, he did. And one of the reasons why he had a good game is because he's playing with better players. It's a big part of
1: it. Uh, the Ryan O'Reilly line which has been absolutely destroying the Vancouver Canucks the thing about Ryan O'Reilly art
2: is he's going to get his looks no matter what he's that good he's like if, if we're going to like if we play the avs at some point if we make it to play the avs you're not going to be able to contain nathan mckinnon we're not going to be able to contain ryan o'reilly at all times the best thing we the only thing we can do is just try and limit the damage
1: do you think that they contained him tonight
2: yes I thought we did a better job containing him tonight. And I, I, with Green's, the way Green changed up his lines tonight, I think we made it harder for St. Louis to contain us. And that's the more important thing. Green was We're asked about that. We're on the positive that.
1: side of that. Green was asked about it.
0: Well, I don't know for sure. I'm not going to give you my – probably not going to give you my real ideas or thoughts, but uh, <laughs> I thought, uh, you know, they still had a good game. They're good players. They're I don't know if that line ever has a bad game, to be honest. Maybe they didn't dominate the way they have the first four games. Um, They're a good line. and We did a better job tonight, but it's probably more about how our guys played individually and as a group, as a team, um, tonight that we didn't do when they were on the ice. So
1: what do you think he's saying there? Well, he's not. In his hand, obviously, he was asked by Thomas Drance again today, like why his lines had changed, like how he changed his lines and how how he was like playing some, he was playing mind games a bit with the Blues because he had like Zach McEwen in the line rushes, and then he wasn't dressed today, and Drance was kind of upset because he had like put out because everybody wants to suck McEwen. No, be, not just because of that, but he also it was also like he had reported these lines that these were the line rushes. Oh yeah, yeah. So and now eggs like, on his
2: face. Yeah, because we he, should give a shit about a guy reporting lines. Yeah.
1: So, anyways, it was just It was a cheesy like, like it was kind of you a cheesy made me answer look bad on Twitter. Yeah. How
2: dare you? Yeah.
1: So, anyways, it was just kind of fun listening to Travis Green talk about how. Well, yeah, of course I mean, he's not going to give away There's everything. no way
2: he should tip his hat about any of that sort of, of stuff. Not. And I'm glad the way, he, the way he juggled those lines tonight, and I'm very happy with the adjustments he made. I thought it was his best coach game of the playoffs so far. And it was, like you said earlier, even though it is cliche, in a pretty do-or-die situation
1: to make those adjustments. Uh, one thing that has changed since we did our last between the Stammers, because they're quite sporadic these days, uh, Jake Allen got the call which i don't know if we had spoken on whether it was going to happen and our speculated on you it i think happen. you speculated on it yeah and i thought it was the right you're move. an intrepid reporter no, i thought it was the right move to go to jake allen yeah i don't think jake allen is any kind of world beater, though
2: uh tyler mott is living in that guy's mind now
1: <laughs> uh do you think they
2: go back to Bington? <laughs>
1: No. After this game. No, not for just not for just one game. Yeah, I don't think so either. Jake
2: Allen played well, man. He still
1: played well. I wouldn't go back to He was anything. fine. He made pretty good save on yeah. Brock Besser in front of the net. Another one where Jake Vertanen shot it right into his glove. Yeah. Then there was another play where Vertanen was right in the slot and I don't know he what happened to the puck.
2: He put it wide. What
1: the fuck happened to the puck? He put it wide. I was like, can I see I a replay that. Yeah. of that because yeah. <laughs> that you cannot get a better chance than that. Yeah. Uh Craig Berube. We're not just homers here on between the stammers. We look at what the other team says as well, right? Yeah. Sure. Let's run a clip. Craig Veruby, the head coach of the St. Louis Blues.
0: He was fine. I mean, I think you would want the one goal back, you know, from the side of the net maybe. But, you know, we let him. Mott walked in twice and scored on breakaways basically. So uh, Jake wasn't a problem.
1: Uh, obviously, he's talking about Jake Allen there. I didn't set that up properly. No, you farmed it. Yeah, maybe because you were too busy gloating on Jake Fortanen's great game. Are you coming
2: at me because I think he had a good game, or would you agree that he had a great game?
1: He had a good game.
2: I'm
1: not gonna say it was great. He
2: had a good game. He had a great game. He missed some very opportune. Listen, man, that guy has been eating a shit sandwich this entire playoffs. Not from for me. From everybody in this media being like, eh, he's not in shape. Eh, he has low hockey IQ. Eh, he's this. Eh, he's that. It's like, dude, the guy two ways has been good all year. Like, he he just has. He's been – and he had a fantastic steal tonight,
1: by the way, to keep a play going. Um, yes, you're cherry picking from the great plays that he made today. No,
2: what I'm saying is he's been playing well this entire series. He just hasn't been getting the points on the board where it makes a difference is who you're playing with, right? I like Brandon Sutter too. I've advocated for him on this very podcast. I thought he had a
1: good game tonight. However, I thought he had a good game tonight
2: as a centerman, he doesn't make the best plays when they're rushing up the ice.
1: I don't right? know how many times in this game the Canucks missed the net. Yeah. And I'm just saying Vertanen had a lot of missed opportunities, and so did Sutter on a couple of plays there. He like, did. Can we not hit the net? Why are we like, oh, that was bothering me there. And the school, that was when we were trailing. And then we got ahead, and I was like, okay. you know what It's helped? okay to miss the net You know, know what gives now. you a better
2: shot at hitting the net? having a
1: fucking body in front of the net
2: to lure two defenders low so you can get a shot off without a shot block, Mm -hmm. right? Which is something we were missing the last two games, and it was driving me insane, right? So getting that greasy goal tonight, I think, was the biggest turning point in this game because it showed the Canucks what they have to do to beat this team. And somewhere along the line, you know, between the Minnesota series and the St. Louis series, when we we're scoring all those pretty power play goals, mm-hmm. we lost sight of that. You know, yeah, I guess you could say that. And they, you gotta pack your lunch and go to work, man. Like you gotta take
1: the fucking beat in front of the net. That's how you win in the playoffs. It's true. You gotta have to have. You gotta have those greasy, greasy moments. And it was really nice to see that. And that was the spark that made it three two, and then Vertana making a three three. And then Mott scoring again. Unreal. Like, this guy who we got in the Thomas, Thomas Vanek, Vanek trade. trade. That's right, the Thomas I Vanek trade. I tweeted that out too after the game, by the way. I was like, Vanek
2: for Mott doesn't look so bad now, does it? All right, I guess I can
1: admit that. <laughs> I mean, it's still like to have Thomas Vanek on this team. Oh, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, like I tri- said,
2: we'll get him for your birthday. Dude, Mott
1: was doing everything, though.
2: He was. Well, that's why Mott, like, and, and to all the people who were upset that McEwen was the odd man out of the lineup tonight, right, rather than Vertanen, rather than Louis Erickson, McEwen is going to be a great player at some point on this team. He's going to he's gonna fit on this team as a player who can do certain things. I thought he looked he overwhelmed. Will, he will develop eventually yeah. into that player.
1: And he, I thought he looked overwhelmed last He's a game. big
2: guy. He, he, he creates energy. Right? He can fight, he can shed him, he can do all of those things. He's great on the wall. He's only gonna get better, in my opinion. You know? Will he be a top six forward?
1: Probably not. Well, they want him to be a guy that goes in there and makes that big hit. Yes. Right? And yes, just hadn't done that. He hadn't done that. But here's the thing, right? It's like you
2: can't take a guy like Louis Erickson out of this game, unfortunately, because I thought he had Maybe one of the weaker games he's had so far. He had a couple of... He had a nice deflection in front yeah. of his net to save a goal in the first.
1: He had right? a couple of floofer moments. He
2: just, he did not put a body on a guy all night when he was going in on the forecheck. Not
1: once. Actually, there was once. And, there was once. Okay, well, I didn't see it. It was barely I a didn't check, see but it, it was a check. I did Because I, 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 I noticed Here, it and I yeah. said it. Here's
2: the thing, though, about Louis Erickson. <laughs> on the penalty kill... He's a better player than a guy like Zach McEwen, and that's why you have to keep him in the lineup if you're going to sub a guy like
1: God, God Ed. I just remember right? him doing it. I think it was on Dunn, and, and I was I, like, doth my eyes deceive. Me. And I liked the
2: move by Green to put God Dead in because at least it at least bolsters that second-unit power play to a point where they can get in the fucking zone,
1: right? Yeah, the power play looked a lot better tonight. They didn't get any goals on the power play. But it still looked a lot better. Yes. Yeah. And I love it when it stays out there for the entire two minutes. Well, yeah. We all do. Because you just love to see Quinn Hughes dance yeah. the line all night. Um, We could talk more on this game, but uh, game six. The next game is going to be the hardest game. And I don't want to say that's a cliche, but it's going to be very difficult to win the final game against this Blues. It just feels that way. So what's the formula? What do you think the formula is? How do the Canucks improve from tonight to win game six? Well, they got to be better in their own end. Like, yes. they got very fucking lucky tonight. Especially when the score was 3-1. So where does that start with you? If you're going to look at it all, like... Well, how, I mean, it's poise. What would
2: you say to your team to try and clean up some of the shit in their own end?
1: Yeah, well, I think poise and obviously... The forwards coming back to help the defense, uh, especially if Edler's going to be out. Like we're in, we're in serious trouble if Edler's out of the lineup <laughs> again.
2: I think it's pretty obvious after the fact that we gave up another goal by forwards just not coming back to help out. That we can't be making these types of mistakes anymore. Two games in a row, right? You got to get back. You can't be cheating on trying to turn the puck back up the other way. You got to play. Below the puck rather than above it.
1: You do, but it is it is, it is hard for this team to play that way because this team is at its best when they're wheeling. And as soon as they turn the other way, you'll want to get it up the ice and play that way, right? That is why this team plays that way. And I think that is why it's been such a hard for the last couple of games where they've had to adjust against a team who has figured that out.
2: You have one of the best skaters on your back end in the league in Quinn Hughes. If he is on the ice, you need to get back to at least try and help him out beneath where the puck is, pick up a man, and if you're in any trouble when he's trying to give it up the wall to you, give it back to him. Put it back in front of the net or even put it out in front of the net to try and get a breakout that
1: way. You get what right? I'm saying about breaking out. Though. I get
2: no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that there are easier ways to do this and come back than just trying to cheat, right? It's lazy. It's lazy hockey. And it works sometimes in the regular season, but you look like an idiot when you do it in the in the playoffs. Right? Mm-hmm. We can't be making these mistakes anymore. If we if we're gonna win. These wingers especially have to get back and help out on the wall. There are other ways to to break out as a unit, starting with your defensemen.
1: This is a young team. It's fun. It's chaotic. It's stressful. It's all the above. Every single game, it seems it's that way, even in victory. No, I get it. Right? I agree. Yeah. So let's not be too hard on these guys, and that's what I and that's what I said going into this game tonight, and I said that to everybody. If because the sky was falling going into this game, five. I felt good about it tonight, and because I, I, of the day, yeah, off. yeah, yeah. But you were you were one of the rare people I'm in that the minority. Yeah, you were in the minority, yeah. and and I and I was like trying to talk my friends down, you know, off the ledge. I was like, guys, if I told you it was two two. Going into game five against the st. Louis Blues three weeks ago you would have taken all of that and been like yes give me some of that so let's not get too down on this team yeah and I love what Travis Green said at the end of last game how he said you know I believe in our guys we're going to make the proper adjustments he said that and we would have had this clip on this between the stammers if we recorded it yesterday but we didn't so
2: What you already touched on, wingers getting back, helping out in their own end to clean up those breakouts a little bit better. Yes. You're talking about poise. I think you can talk about poise specifically if you're in a safe area in your own end. If you relay the puck up and bring it back to a a, a D-man either in the corner, opposite corner, behind the net to give themselves a little breathing room before they make a pass up the ice rather than taking that Hail Mary attempt at a clear when they're just scrambling to get to a puck with their head down and just bash it out, right? I think that's a big, big part to this team improving on how they played uh, tonight and how they played the last two games before this. And
1: then on the offensive end, the cliche, get the puck in deep, hit somebody, and create some offense below the red line, which this team... Doesn't love to do because they are the freewheeling team that scores off the rush. But you're gonna have to get some well, greasy and, goals.
2: And this is where, like I said, like this is where I think that your 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 JT Miller, your Jake Vertanen can do a little more damage here, right? The Brock Besser did a good job in it in the Minnesota series, but it's kind of d- dried up a little bit with how they were playing in this series so far and I, I like the perimeter stuff, and I like getting it back to Hughes and Hughes having a shot, but I don't like Hughes having a shot when there isn't anybody in front of the fucking net, right? Somebody needs to get there, and when you do that, you draw one to two defenders into that spot, and you give your players, like your PD or whoever it is, to have a little more time and space to look for a shot or look for a pass to get a tip in, right? These are the types of things that create second chances, rebounds off the goaltender, and can help the Canucks move forward and win this game. Okay,
1: uh, teams that win Game Five to take the lead are two hundred and eleven and fifty-eight. That's a seventy-eight point four percent winning streak in Stanley Cup play. Can I also history.
2: say one more thing about um, how they can win going forward? Because I think it's important.
1: Don't give and away the secret, Kirby.
2: It's well, I just think it's important. Like as we move forward into the next game with the way that St. Louis has been rushing into our own zone, they've been doing a lot of rushing either on one side or the other side, not necessarily using the center of the ice because the Canucks really, at the end of the day, Canucks have done a good enough job to make them basically overflow a side and get the puck in, right? Yeah. But that gap control at the blue line has been scattered because of the way that the Blues enter the zone. So, like, the Canucks need to know who their assignments are before the Blues even enter the zone so they can be tight to them, have their sticks in those lanes rather than having bigger gaps. I think that's a big part of it as well. So, it's it's not – the neutral zone looks good as St. Louis is coming through it, but the neutral zone also includes probably the first 10 – 15 feet of once a team enters your zone, and I think the Canucks need to be a little bit quicker picking up their assignments on that side.
1: Fair? Sure. Okay. I'm not an X's and O's guy. You know that. Yeah. Uh, Just quickly before we wrap this thing up, it was not a good night for teams that were on the brink of elimination. A good day, I guess. Uh, Columbus out. Carolina Sad. out. Sad. I was cheering
2: for both Arizona those teams.
1: out. Yes, that was to be expected. Montreal stayed alive after getting shut out twice. Yeah. <laughs> Connor Hart recorded two shutouts in that series in two of the most boring games you've ever seen in your life. That I mean, game tonight was not boring. Did you watch them in that no, game? No, I didn't watch that game. But that the game two games that were year. shutouts yeah. were fucking boring. Yeah. I tried to watch them. They were boring. Um I'm happy that Montreal won tonight. I don't know. For some reason, I'm cheering for that team. I am too. Did you see
2: yeah. um, Karkin Yemi's hit? Yes, on I did Sanai? see that.
1: The, the NHL is
2: going to look at that. Did you hear about the analysis of it from Kevin Bieksa and Anthony Stewart? No. Nope. Okay, so I thought they both made pretty good points. And they're a bit of old older school guys, but they're like, at some point, the onus has to be a little bit on the player who's playing a puck on the boards to know that a hit is coming. Right? Mm-hmm. Yemi left his feet. 100%. He did. He left his feet. He got a hit up a little bit high on Sanheim. Right? Mm-hmm. Sanheim, his face basically went off the glass. He was bleeding. Kakenyemi, he hit him in the numbers. Kakenyemi got a game mis- a game misconduct because he hit him in the numbers. The thing about that, though, and the point that BX and Stewart both made is, like, the reason why he hit him in the numbers is because Sanheim took the hit in a way that that's the only way he could have hit him. Right? And it's like, he's like, if we were if we were Sandheim on that play, right, the onus is a little bit on you to know that you're gonna be on you're gonna be hit, right? You can't just be like, oh, I'm gonna turn on it. Why would you trust another player, especially in the playoffs, to ease up when a guy's coming? He's like, you have to have the common sense within yourself to be like, yeah, a hit is coming race for it,
1: he put himself right? in a vulnerable so position. So what is they were what both saying is that yeah,
2: he put himself in a vulnerable position. I don't know if the league's going to take that into account or not. Yeah. Right. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But to hear two guys on the panel talk about that, and for
1: I I agree with it. You know, like we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Boston, they are out there killing people. Literally killing people. Yeah. They killed Carolina. Yeah.
2: Well that's right. That's what happens when you hire a goon to come out and take out Svechnikov in what game two? You know, like and between that and the just such untimely, horrible collapse of what happened with Reimer the last game.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, like
1: Wait, no, that wasn't Reimer. Yeah, it, it was Jonathan Bernier that was in net for the Leafs in twenty fourteen.
2: No, it was Rhymer. Was it Reimer? It was, Reimer.
1: was it Reimer. Yeah,
2: it was. It was Reimer.
1: I'm going to have Reimer to go back at that yeah. cuz I remember watching that. It was, Reimer. was it Reimer? Yes.
2: Cuz I feel it's like happened was there it's happened twice it's happened to him twice now with the Leafs. Yeah. I mean, it happened to him
1: twice now with the Bruins. But I will say poor Rhymer because he really didn't have a lot of chances didn't have a lot of chance on those goals. No. A lot of like Ber- Bergeron, Marchand, they were in cold yeah. a couple of times there. And those guys have just completely woken up and yeah. they are no one wants to play the fucking bad dirty Bruins. Because they are, they are a mean piece of business right now. Yeah. And they dispatched of Carolina pretty fucking easy. The team that was, like, playing the best. Yeah. As we'd all say. But now it looks like.
2: Well, I mean, you lose a top guy like Sveshnikov, it really hurts you. Yeah. You know. I know they lost Tuca, but still. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, That's all I got. That's all you got? That's all I got.
2: You got to get up early so you want to wrap this up. I mean, I want to. Oh, I got one more thing, actually. Yeah. No, I don't. Caleb Kirby
1: <laughs> is uh, on holidays, so it'll be, we don't know if he'll be here. I can call in. Do you want me to call in? Doesn't sound as good, but we could. I guess we could do that. I could call in. Yeah, I guess you could be a guest on your own show calling in, yeah. right? You could have somebody else out, up here. Yeah, I've been thinking about Good that. to see Marlon Martins today. Yeah, I was asked to see Marlon Martins, the voice of the uh, Victoria Royals. Yeah. Good to see him
2: and uh, you know celebrate the win with a guy like that. He was watching the uh, the game in studio while doing a show. A man of many talents. He, he is a man of many talents. Multitasker.
1: And I asked him actually to maybe fill in, so um, maybe he will fill in and we'll get you on the get you on the phone. I would love to call in. All right. Uh, the next game is Friday. Another seven forty five start. Is it? I thought it was TBD. So. Oh wait. Six forty five PM Eastern time, according to NHL.com. I don't know if that's right. 345? They've never had a yeah, they've never had a game that started at six forty five. Well we'll see. Pacific. They've never had a game that starts at six forty five Pacific. That doesn't seem right at all. I'm guessing it's probably gonna be seven thirty again on Friday night, but again, let's get her going, right? Caleb Kirby, where can we find you?
2: At twenty three on Twitter.
1: At Art Aronson. You can uh, tweet us at Between the S on Twitter. And uh, go
0: Canucks. Go Canucks.